Allison. Hi, Michael. And welcome to Dean's Discuss COVID-19, a weekly podcast where we dive into the research being done here at UC Davis uh, at both of our colleges in the School of Medicine and Veterinary Medicine. So today we're going to talk about something near and dear to both of our hearts. We're going to talk about how COVID-19 has affected education in our schools. And it is near and dear to our heart. In fact, it's our, it's our number one mission. Um, and so uh, we were all disrupted uh, by the COVID pandemic in multiple aspects of our operations and principally uh, within our educational programs. And it came right at the end of the year, didn't it, Allison? It certainly did. So um, it, it disrupted not only the learning, but it disrupted all of the usual uh, celebrations, the graduation, what we have a uh, match day where people open their envelopes and figure out where they're going to do all their training. Um, it's really been a, a, a challenge to continue the education, but it's also given us great opportunities and uh, a chance to kind of reimagine how education goes. It, it really did. And, and for our students in their, in their fourth year, you know, when they're in the hospital and in our veterinary hospital, you know, that was a, a critical juncture because we're finishing, uh, they're doing their clinical rotations, they're seeing patients and they're, and they're filling the, uh, what we call accreditation re requirements. So they became quite um, anxious, shall we say, uh, and how they would finish because uh, there's a lot of things that happen in that last few months right before they go to commencement. And I know you had to make a lot of adjustments. Uh, so maybe, can you describe some of those that you had in medical school? And they were probably parallel to what we dealt with. Well, first, um, we needed to really address the safety of the students. And so um, early on, you know, we and at UC Davis had the first community acquired case in the country. So we got lots of attention. And we needed to make sure that the students were safe. So across the country, um, we and all the other medical students essentially took all the students out of the hospital while they got trained on how to take care of patients or how to be in an environment where there's a virus like this. And then um, we also had to make sure there was enough PPE. So uh, the students actually uh, were great. Uh, we ended up doing all, almost all these things virtually and they got all the courses got up and running virtually as you did. And then um, they're actually coming back. So the fourth year students have started back in the hospital and we're really excited to see them back. And the third years, they've all been trained on COVID. And of course, uh, we don't really have students take care of those patients. We try to really limit the number of people who go into those rooms. Uh, and to be honest, right now, there's very few patients with COVID. In fact, I think it's only three in our hospital. So um, it's, a, it's really, we're back kind of to the way things were, uh, but it, it's a great learning experience. You're absolutely right. One of the things I was really proud of is how quickly our faculty adjusted. Uh, and so things that would nor be normally a clinical rotation, they quickly adjusted to, to say, what could we offer online? And so it stimulated a, a lot of very innovative ways uh, to be able to, to do a virtual rounds, for example, uh, to be able to uh, offer what we could online at the same time, try to really look at the requirements. And fortunately, we were able to do that for our fourth year students and, and they've received all of their credit. And, and as you did, we had a virtual commencement. <laughs> 
which was a first for all of us. Uh, and uh, the commencement was a, a, a joyous experience, but at a safe distance. Uh, we had them come through and pick their diplomas up uh, early in the day and remain in their cars as they did so. I gave them bagels, uh, wrapped, of course, individually. Um, and, and as they went through, we celebrated them and our staff were great. Um, and then later, of course, we had our, uh, you know, recorded speeches and different things. And we had a, an event live um, uh, to simulate the commencement. So we got them off to, you know, off, off into the world uh, for uh, their commencement. And as you did, then we had to switch quickly to think about the next class that came in. And that's what we're doing uh, as well. Uh, and our class uh, comes in Monday into our hospital again. And like you, we're doing uh, safe distancing, um, masks, uh, we're limiting people uh, in the examination rooms and procedures so that we don't have a lot of uh, people all in one room to prevent the um, uh, potential spread of any disease. They have to have a screening procedure much like what you have uh, for your students and staff. And so we're asking for questionnaires each day for their health status. We're taking temperatures. We're doing everything to really maximize and keeping them uh, following the public health guidelines, but every single day ensuring that they're, they're uh, not showing any symptoms uh, before they go into that environment. Yeah, it's so important. Um, you know, our virtual graduation was on May 29th and it was incredibly moving. Um, the students actually were in their homes and so all students were virtual and we have something called hooding. So uh, you get um, in a graduation, it's uh, the thing that goes trails back into and then it goes over your head. And so the hooding usually is done by the people in the education office and the dean's office, but here it was done by family, parents, um, people were holding their babies or their dogs. Um, and we got to really see a different side of the students. And, and it was really, um, really just overwhelmingly personal. Um, and then the Hippocratic Oath was read by students in 13 different languages. And then the students all read it together with the faculty, all kind of virtual. So it really was deeply personal and I was so proud of our uh, Office of Medical Education and how it, it went. It really, really was wonderful. But you're right. We're right back in it. And, um, and you know, I think that the thing is, is I've come to appreciate how flexible people are in education. And, you know, um, when I talked to the students at graduation, I talked about the difference with the art of medicine and the science of medicine and, you know, beginning to learn about how do you do telemedicine. So um, we went from 10 telemedicine visits a, a day to about 650. And in the peak of COVID, it was over a thousand. And so wow. now we're teaching our, our students about telemedicine yeah. and our residents about telemedicine. And anybody who finishes at UC Davis is going to be really telemedicine fluent mm -hmm. because it's not going to go back. I mean, and that's a great thing to do with, you know, patients who can't come in or don't have transportation or they just need a med check and they don't, you don't have to do, you know, you could just talk to them over their phone. And so um, that's a really big learning point that I think um, we will incorporate in all of our curriculum. 
Yeah, I think you're, uh, you know, when we deal with our patients, we're, we're sort of like pediatricians. We deal with a third party, uh, which is the pet parent. Yes. So for example, in I'm the, one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, we need to see your pet, uh, but no, you're, uh, uh, you um, understand that, you know, you really uh, are the vocal um, uh, history uh, has to be given through the, the pet parent. And in this case, it was disrupted because we wanted on safety purposes to, to meet our clients uh, before they came into the building. So we didn't have a lot of congregation of people. So they're met uh, like a lot of veterinary practices right now in the parking lot where the history is taken. We do a lot of pre-screening, um, a lot of, uh, uh, as you mentioned, telehealth uh, is really critical. And I think it really stimulated a lot of um, innovative ways that we can use that now. Um, it, it, it was ongoing, but it really got ramped up, as you say, and it's impressive, yeah. the number of telehealth exams. And I think that that's not going to slow down. I think what we'll find is that we are able to do uh, an effective job of taking history. It doesn't replace a physical exam. Uh, it doesn't replace, you know, certain things that have to be done clinically, but it does, there is a lot of information and also the follow-up. Uh, after the patient goes home, whether it's an animal or a human, uh, follow up uh, on how the doctor or the veterinarian can ask questions on the follow up. So I think these platforms, these telehealth platforms, which your school really has been a, even before this, um, a national leader in uh, with Dr. Nesbitt and all of the, oh, the yeah. teams of people that have done that. And also reaching rural California, um, rural California, both for humans and animals, we have to have these platforms uh, to reach them. And your, um, your uh, geographic region that UC Davis reaches, uh, like us, is quite large. And, uh, and we don't, if we can avoid people having to come all the way to Davis and yet continue to serve them, that's where telehealth really comes in, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And it's, um, I think it's, it's really going to change the way we educate students, the way we care for patients. I think it's going to change the way we educate residents, um, you know, and, and it's, I think, going to be really important so that we are only bringing people into the clinics and hospitals that need to be. Um, it's a little off point, but I will say for telemedicine, um, we have did a lot of research that way. So we've begun consenting people with telemedicine, doing some visits with telemedicine. Um, everybody has been so flexible. But back to the students, I was so impressed with, they were just jumped in and were, you know, just took it in stride. Um, you know, medical school is so stressful, um, like veterinarians. It's, you know, people have worked all their lives to get to medical school. And some of the students had their the step one test canceled, which is a really high stakes exam. It's one day you study for three months for it. Um, it's the, the test that helps drive where you do your residency, what specialty you go into. And those tests were canceled once, if not twice for those students. Recently, the clinical skills test was just canceled. And so um, it has been a roller coaster of emotions and changing environments for students. And I've just been so impressed. I mean, we have had 
15 plus town halls with their students and they've been just great. Um, and, and it's, 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 I've been yeah. so impressed. Um, I talked uh, about that during our, our, yeah, our commencement. I talked about that, uh, resilience. Yes. And, you know, uh, we knew they were resilient as we recruited them and as we saw them mature as students throughout their curriculum. And, and this really tested that resilience. And that'll be important as they become doctors out into the world, because uh, this won't be the first uh, pandemic. This won't be the first setback that they'll face. And that resilience, it, it's going to come in handy in the future for them just coping with life as uh, physicians and as veterinarians, because all of us face that in our lives. And this was a big one. And I'm really been impressed uh, with the students. You know, one thing you mentioned also in, um, we were all doing clinical simulations, uh, yeah. even before COVID. And we've been doing that for a number of years, uh, developing like the Betty Irene School of Nursing, which has got an incredible uh, suite of clinical simulations of patients uh, that mimic uh, high stress situations in a low stress environment. So to allow students to operate on, on really uh, mannequins or you know, um, simulated humans uh, that basically simulate uh, what a patient would do, including things like vomiting and, and bleeding. And, and uh, we have the same thing in veterinary medicine. We have uh, full sized uh, models of animals uh, that are made out of uh, materials that are very similar to what they feel like. So they're able to do venipunctures, for example. So all these came into play as we started to think about how do we change our curriculum. So in the future, for example, we'll probably be doing much more virtual reality uh, with our anatomy training and with our surgery preparations. And so that's where we bring in other fields from engineering to to other types, artificial intelligence. Um, these are all gonna be um, important as we go forward for uh, in our curriculum that won't, won't stop. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And simulation is really key. Um, it's the way uh, students have been learning for a while in terms of doing procedures, but we were able to ramp up that simulation um, quite a bit. You know, one thing that I um, really have stressed to, to students um, people think a lot is about memorization and really um, it's more about training doctors on how to think. And I really stress that medicine is lifelong learning and that, that doctors need to be lifelong learners. And this is a great example. Um, you know, when I went to medical school, um, I date myself a little bit here, but there was one lecture about a disease that was occurring in gay men and they didn't know really what it was. Then when I went as an intern, I took care of the first patient in the ICU in our county hospital with AIDS. And there were sick people in the hospital and it was, we were learning as we go and we really had no medicines. And now uh, there's not anybody in the hospital with HIV and it's all outpatient and people are surviving and it is, a, it is a chronic disease. And so that just shows you that you have to be a lifelong learner because you can't just take what you learned in school and depend on it. What you need to do is be able to learn continuously in life about what, where you're, you're, what kind of medicine you're practicing. And so this is a great lesson for students because 
The ones that graduated didn't know really about COVID. Maybe they heard about SARS, but it was probably a little bit of a lecture in one of their courses. And that's about yeah, it. You certainly never saw a patient. That's a really great point. In fact, uh, you know, I, as a student, did not uh, ever dream that I would ever be working on viruses until the AIDS virus came along. It changed my entire trajectory of my career. I think COVID's going to do the same thing. Yeah. I think there'll be a lot of students that, both on the medical side and the veterinary side, that are deeply impacted uh, by this pandemic emotionally. Uh, the, the you know the disruption of their education that's temporary, but it will change the trajectory of their thinking. And some of them may go in more into public health or infectious yes. disease because of this, I think. And that's a good thing. Um, the other thing you mentioned, which is really important, is handling stress. Uh, you know, it, it is emotionally draining and the frontline workers, the medical docs that are, that are treating the COVID patients, the nurses, these are all very high stress environments. So the students uh, know that and understand that, but they also were helping them in multiple different ways at the medical school and in the veterinary school with mental health counseling and, um, you know, training in terms of their uh, capacity to, to self-care. So uh, I know you've developed a lot of uh, resources. We've developed a lot of resources. And these kind of things are just exactly the, the reason why. Uh, when an epidemic comes along that just disrupts everything, it's a lot of stress on everybody, including our students. And we need those kinds of uh, skill sets uh, to be able to balance life, take time out, uh, take breaks. Um, and with our students, we're asking them, get enough sleep, uh, take care of yourself physically, uh, eat the right kind of foods. And, and remember that if you're not healthy, the patient isn't going to get healthy. So I know that's near and dear to you as well. Yes, I was so proud of our psychiatry department that really rolled that out. And um, we had them going to multiple departments to really provide them with a, kind of a, a workbook for that kind of wellness. And so you're absolutely correct. You know, um, it's really changed the way we think about medicine. And I'm, uh, I am a firm believer in public health and I think that will be one of the positives that come out of this, that public health will be much more prominent in the curriculum, a focus on health disparities, because we've um, shown a bright light that not everybody gets the care that they need. And um, I'm very concerned about the number of deaths in the African-American population and understanding why, how that could possibly be, um, and really, beginning to look at the foundations of our public health system for how we can put new things in place so that does not happen. That should not happen. And it is, it is really um, a national crisis that I think our students are really seeing play out in front of them. And I hope they will uh, take up the call to really change that so that in the future, we don't have these health disparities and we have access to testing and care for everybody. Um, it's so crucial. Absolutely, and I think that uh, you brought up a, an excellent point that the, this um, pandemic has really exposed, um, you know, the flaws in our, in our healthcare system. You know, we're very fortunate to be here at UC Davis where we have a wonderful medical school and, and the healthcare, but that's not offered to everybody. 
And across the whole nation, we saw those um, weak links in the chain of healthcare. And as you mentioned, populations that just don't have access to healthcare or testing. And, and so to have the students see that in real time as they're finishing their training really does influence their thinking. And I, I, we need them. We need them to be leaders in the future. So our students are, are deeply committed uh, to um, improving um, health disparities. Uh, and so uh, I think this will just um, re-energize their passion for that. And I anticipate that many, we know many go to, into primary care. UC Davis is ranked number seven in the nation in primary care for school medicine. And I think this will just really energize them more about understanding how diseases are caused in large populations. So, um, you know, every cloud has a silver lining and I'm just been so impressed how your school and our school and the School of Nursing under the leadership of uh, Dean Cavanaugh have been flexible and met the learners and, um, and how the learners have just embraced this. And it's really a credit um, on how professional they are and how resilient they are and how our educators are just role models. It's, it's mm -hmm. really heartwarming. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think one of the things that, uh, you know, we're really proud to be at UC Davis, which values social justice and social justice involves all of us. It's not just limited to, to one profession. Social justice is our society. And, and uh, if our students can gain uh, that knowledge during their education of a, of a sense of social justice, and they, they actually come to us very motivated. Uh, they're passionate about wanting to help people uh, they're passionate about wanting to help animals. And, and that passion can be uh, turned into a very positive by looking at these social injustices and uh, really battling to, to fight racial uh, discrimination, to fight healthcare disparities, uh, to understand the role of animals in those same populations and what value they have uh, in a One Health approach. So great discussion. Yes, yes. I think you just have summarized what I call the heart and soul of UC Davis. So this has been a great discussion, Michael. Um, I'm Allison Bershear, the Dean of UC Davis School of Medicine. And I'm Michael Lermore, Dean of the School of Veterinary Medicine here at UC Davis. And thank you for listening to our Deans Discuss, a COVID-19 podcast. So we invite you to return next week when we're going to have a rich discussion about innovation. That's right. And we welcome your questions and also ideas for topics for future episodes. Um, please email us at deansdiscuss at ucdavis.edu. And also, uh, in the meantime, uh, you can also visit ucdavis.edu backslash COVID-19 for the latest coronavirus research news here at UC Davis. So see you next week and we'll talk about innovations. Mm -hmm.